Guide us, our God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first reading this morning from the Old Testament is Isaiah 2, 1 through 5, and can be found on page 1062 of your Pew Bible. Please listen to the word of the Lord. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, said concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Our next reading is an epistle reading from Romans 13, 11 through 14, and can be found on page 1765 of your pew Bible. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful man. And our gospel reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. You can find this on page 1542 of the Pew Bible. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. This is the word of God for the people of God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each and every one of our hearts 
Be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Someone said something completely hilarious to me this week that I just have to share with you all. He said, on Thursday night, let's dress as bears and knock over the tents of all the people camped out in front of Best Buy. I found that hilarious because I used to work retail, and I never could figure out the obsession with Black Friday. I hated this time of year. Black Friday truly was a black day. People were greedy, mean, obsessed. I have never been treated more rudely than I was working retail on Black Friday. And it's worse when you're management because you're the one that gets all the complaints that get forwarded to somebody else. So I absolutely love this particular church's response to the glut of consumerism that happens on that day. We come together here and decorate the church as our first act of the Advent season. That's how we should be spending Advent, preparing the church and the community and our hearts for the coming of Jesus. What is it about Christmas that draws us as a culture into the excitement of shopping and wrapping and going all out with lights and decorations and the buying and the Black Friday sales and the catalogs? It's like we're trying to fill some sort of need or hole that we can never seem to reach. Even when we eschew the sales and the buying and the stuff, we still have a very clear picture of what the perfect Christmas would look like. We see something like an old Norman Rockwell painting in our minds, and anything less is not quite Christmas for some reason. We hear the old Christmas classics on the radio and we think, now it's starting to feel like Christmas. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your nose, Yuletide carols being sung by a choir, and folks dressed up like Eskimos. And perhaps the good old Norman Rockwell painting sort of family gathering holds our hearts because it speaks to that peace in each of us that yearns for the peace and the hominess we see in Isaiah's description of setting down weapons and turning them instead into instruments of peace and community and provision. It plucks the strings of hope in our hearts that Advent is meant to grab. Let us build a house where love can dwell and all can safely live. A place where saints and children tell how hearts learn to forgive. Built of hopes and dreams and visions, rock of faith and vault of grace. Hear the love of Christ shall end division. All are welcome, all are welcome, all are welcome in this place. Perhaps it's because it seems more realistic to manage the perfect Christmas than it does for God to actually do anything powerful in the world. It's too good to be true when you hear those words from Isaiah. His words are a little ridiculous when you think about it. Everyone getting along? All people streaming to God's house for worship? 
Most of us are just hoping we can get through another Christmas without a major fight breaking out over the dinner table or getting stuck in the snow on the way to the family Christmas gathering. When we think about our hopes for Christmas, most of us are just hoping that we'll have a nice day. We know what the meaning of the holiday is, but our anticipations for God's Christmas work are rarely more than our anticipation for a nice day on the 25th. Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe help to make the season bright. Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight. They know that Santa's on his way. He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh. And every mother's child is gonna spy to see if reindeer really know how to fly. Kids get excited about Christmas like nobody else is able to. Getting them to bed after church on Christmas Eve is nearly impossible most years. They are just so excited about new gifts and seeing family and having treats and goodies and large, fun meals. They are more than just hopeful. They are expectantly waiting. The hope that children have this time of year goes beyond just wondering if they'll get a gift or knowing academically that they will get a gift. They can feel it so much in their very being that they can't even get to sleep. In Matthew, Jesus says that we are to keep watch, to stay awake. We don't know when our hopes for peace and the fullness of God's kingdom will be fulfilled, but we are to live every single day as though it is Christmas Eve and we're a little kid just too wound up to go to sleep. How do we recapture that feeling? How do we gather so much energy and excitement that Jesus would come back at any moment? That the ministry and the worship we do here is a taking part in the very kingdom of God. Let us build a house where prophets speak and words are strong and true. Where all God's children dare to seek to dream God's reign anew. Here the cross shall stand as witness and as symbol of God's grace. Here is one we claim the faith of Jesus. All are welcome, all are welcome, all are welcome in this place. We start by simply doing, by praying and listening and reading scripture all those practices we talked about and read about all summer long, we dive deeply into relationship with God. And at the same time, we begin to participate in the things we know that scripture says are a part of God's kingdom work. As Psalm 122 tells us, we pray for peace, not just our own peace, but peace for all. As Isaiah tells us, we turn our weapons of war, both literal and figurative, into symbols of peace so that we might seek justice for all people and carry out the word of the Lord to everyone. As Romans tells us, 
We clothe ourselves in the light of Christ, forsaking the sinful nature of the world. And in all we do, we must remember who we represent. And as Jesus tells us in Matthew, we remember to do these things tirelessly because we never know how long we will have on this earth to participate in God's kingdom and to spread the light until we are called home, either individually or at that last call. And so I'm offering this simple phrase to kids from 1 to 92. Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to you. The perfect Christmas is so much easier than the Christian life. We just have to bake the right desserts, hang the lights right, and buy the right gifts. And even that is nearly impossible to pull off sometimes. Peace on earth? Everyone living in God's love? Joy for all people? That can feel like a bit too much to hope for. So we worry about the easier one. The secular chestnuts roasting on an open fire part of Christmas and let the candles on the Advent wreath simply signal the waning away of our Christmas shopping time, a quaint old tradition, and little more. It's just easier that way. Seeking peace, allowing ourselves to not fit in, or to insist that Advent and Christmas mean so much more than how people greet you during the season or what's cooking in our ovens, that's a tall order when we have decades of tradition telling us that the words of scripture are nothing more than a nod to the temporary harmony we're meant to feel on Christmas Day. Let us build a house where hands will reach beyond the wood and stone to heal and strengthen, serve and teach and live in the word they've known. Hear the outcast and the stranger bear the image of God's face. Let us bring an end to fear and danger. All are welcome, all are welcome, all are welcome in this place. Isaiah says that God's word will go out to all people. But God's word is not just words like we speak or we write. Isaiah is not just talking about going out and talking people's ears off. There is a deep connection in scripture between God's word and intentions and actions. In fact, the Hebrew word for word, devar, can mean word, deed, thing, event, or action, or a little bit of all of the above. The Greek word used in the Bible for word is logos, which can also mean cause or consideration. Action and words and purpose are intimately tied together in the language of scripture. Hope without action is not hope. It's not the word, it's just words. If you're going to talk the talk, you'd better walk the walk. If our words are to mean anything, they have to be backed up with action. We cannot just sing about peace on earth without really working toward it. We cannot simply light a candle to represent hope without living in anticipation of Jesus. 
We don't get to say and sing one thing here in these walls and stand for something different outside of them. And conversely, if we are to live in a truly Christ-like way, our actions cannot be empty or rote or just because that's what we believe we're supposed to do. They have to stand for something. They have to have words and purpose and thought and consideration behind them. So here is where our true hope lies during Advent, as we expectantly and actively await the coming of Jesus Christ. Our hope lies in the knowledge that God's word is more than mere words. God's word is God's action and creation in our lives. God's word is set into motion by its very existence, whether we choose to participate in it or not, which means that we are entirely capable of being a part of it because it doesn't rely on us. It surely sounds harder, but we can do it in the confidence that we are all equipped to be a vital part of God's lively and abundant kingdom right here and now. We are called and equipped to be people who carry that active, living, creating, and world-changing word out to the world. We are capable of being involved in it. We carry it out not just through the words of heartwarming Christmas carols. We carry it out not just by decorating our houses or buying the right gifts, but by welcoming the unwelcomed, by loving the unlovable, by naming the nameless, by recognizing that all are made in the image of God and called to God's mountain to worship and celebrate. Let us build a house where all are named, their songs and visions heard, and loved and treasured, taught and claimed as words within the word. Built of tears and cries and laughter, prayers of faith and songs of grace. Let this house proclaim from floor to rafter, all are welcome, all are welcome, all are welcome in this place. Our challenge as a community during Advent is not to worry about if the decorations are perfect, although I think they look great this year, and I always especially love the lanterns on the ends of the pews. But to make sure we are expectantly and hopefully living out Isaiah's and Paul's and most importantly, Jesus, urging to live as living words and light in the world around us. The next few weeks, as you begin to decorate your house, buy or make gifts, plan menus, arrange travel, Remember that it is all just part of living out this bigger hope. Let it be a reminder and a reflection of the hope we have in the Savior we await. Beyond that, I challenge you each to invite someone. Make your words actions. Invite them to an Advent service or the Christmas Eve service or even the Christmas morning celebration we're going to be having here this year and not just a family member or a friend who just happens to be in town for the holiday. Invite a coworker who you don't like very much. Invite your mail carrier who you hardly ever talk to. Invite the girl who makes your coffee at Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or wherever you choose to get your coffee. Invite a total stranger. 
Invite them into the house of the Lord like their lives depend on it, and like every one of them matter deeply to God, because for the record, their lives do depend on it, and they do matter deeply to God. And when we're truly excited about something life-changing, that's what we do. We want everyone to know about it. Amen.